Hello, good morning. We have lots to get to on the show today. A lot going on. As you heard in the news there with Jeff Braun, Peter Nygaard has signed a consent form allowing him to be extradited to the U.S., but Toronto police have issued an arrest warrant as well for the former fashion mogul. We'll cover that here this morning on Connecting Winnipeg. Today, victim impact statements in the murder of Little Hunter. And coming up at noon, a news conference with Health Minister Audrey Gordon and Manitoba's top doctor, Dr. Brent Rusin. Could it be that we are going to be told about regional restrictions in the southern part of the province? Let's talk about that now with Cynthia Carr. She is an epidemiologist at Epi Research. Cynthia, good morning. Well, we don't know exactly what's going to happen at noon today, but the health minister will be there. Dr. Rusin will be there. It could be regional restrictions. Is it time for that in southern Manitoba? Well, you know, that's a a decision that really needs to be looked at, um, particularly given, you know, the ongoing uh, just too low uptake of uh, vaccination with 65% of eligible people covered in that region. There's just too much risk there, but there's a lot of decisions then that would kind of be focused on what would that look like. Uh, and I, I hope, you know, uh, you know, uh, an obvious restriction, though, would be, you know, school closures, which, of course, is I, I hope we wouldn't hear that. That's very difficult for children. Um, but, you know, we've got to look at those opportunities uh, to uh, keep people uh, safe uh, and not push them closer together. And unfortunately, uh, it may be that they're looking at schools um, or it may be looking at other restrictions. But again, uh, you know, people can drive down the road and go to other areas. So, you know, it doesn't always work that well. It will depend what the target is. Yeah, that's a good point. And I guess that's why, in my opinion, you know, just uh, having covered this for a year and a half, uh, you're the expert. That's why I like talking to you and Jason Kindrichuk and others. Um, it seems to me, though, that if we don't do something about that part of the province, it could spread to other areas, right? Because as you point out, people can just hop in the car and head down the road. Yeah, so what happens when we have a real disparity in vaccination rates is there's a there's a an opportunity for what we call hyperlocal outbreaks. So if only 65% of eligible people are covered and really just over 50% of the southern region when you take into account the kids uh, that can't uh, be uh, vaccinated yet, uh, it's a large portion of people that will allow that uh, virus to tear through. So you get the hyperlocal outbreak there and then the, the opportunity, yes, to spread uh, from there to other regions and areas, uh, you know, because people are traveling and we don't have 100% coverage, obviously, anywhere. So it's actually a very... Uh, precarious situation right now uh, that we need to take seriously and uh, you know my, my first instinct is what more can we do to encourage people to get vaccinated and continue down that pathway um, without having you know people suffer some pretty severe consequences and again it could be the businesses and it could be the schools uh, paying the price there. Do you think we could still get people to get vaccinated at this point or is it sort of too late in the game for that? I'm, I, I'm not sure I go both ways on that sometimes. Well, there certainly hasn't been a lot of movement 
uh, if we look at, you know, the, the rates in that region uh, or really anywhere, you know, we're, we're not seeing as fast an uptake as we did in the beginning. So mm-hmm. my concern is that we are stalled uh, in that region and we need to continue uh, to work with community members and leadership to understand what the barriers are, what can we do better, how can we communicate better, provide better access uh, without, you know, telling people that they're not good people. It's not about people not um, being good people or not, quote, doing the right thing. It's about understanding how much each individual really matters uh, in this situation, both for your own health and well-being and for the community because, uh, as I said, this is a risky situation for some major hyperlocal outbreaks and I don't want to see Cynthia, thanks. You ducked out of a meeting to do this. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Cynthia Carr, epidemiologist at Epi Research, uh, joining us, one of the many voices uh, that we have really relied on uh, through this pandemic. Right now, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving. Knuckles, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you? I'm good. Excellent. Can't wait for the weekend to get going here and I will be at the cottage tonight listening to the game. Are you excited to be uh, back at it after a bye week? Yeah, I sure am, Al, and I love this uh, matchup tonight. The BC Lions have been one of the, I guess, uh, mild surprises so far this CFL season with a 4-3 and three record. They've looked pretty good in that seven games they've played. Mind you, two of those were against Ottawa, so I think we have to take that with a grain of salt a little bit. But uh, they have their quarterback, Michael Riley, playing at the top of his game. And the Bombers, of course, riding a four-game win streak. Hal, they're six and one, first place in the West. And boy, oh boy, could they ever take a step toward a first-place finish with a victory here tonight? Yeah, and um, we've talked before about the matchups that are coming up here, and uh, you know they they aren't playing uh, all that many teams. There's a lot of doubles, and and so we'll see what happens. But the Bombers have to feel real good about where they're at and and where they're going. Well, and they feel especially good, Al, in that they have some key players coming back from injury tonight. Their kick return game has not been very good, but Janarian Grant, who was hurt in the first game, returns tonight. Uh, they've been a little bit vulnerable against the run, and one of their top run stoppers, Steve Richardson, returns from injury tonight. He was hurt in the first game, as was Grant. And then one of their best linebackers, who hasn't played yet this year, Kyrie Wilson, returns from injury tonight. So, uh, the rich get richer, I guess, in some ways, and we'll see how that manifests when they play the BC Lions. But this will be a strong lineup as the Bombers have fielded all season long. And a Mexican player on a CFL field for the first time. Yeah, this is a great story. Sergio, and I've been working on the pronunciation here, Esquiafino Perez. Sergio nice. Esquiafino Perez. Yeah, he's 29 Good job, years Bob. old. <laughs> I've been working on it, Hal. He joined them, you know, in 2019 as one of their global players. And, yeah. you know, one of the ones we've heard most about is Tiadric Hansen, who's played so well. Uh, and Perez Esquiafino has been working like crazy uh, to hone his game and get to the point where they trusted him enough to play him. Well, that's uh, that's tonight. Uh, he's just uh, been grinding away. He's a little guy. He's 5'8", about 180. Uh, but he's got terrific speed. We watch him in practice. Uh, he covers very well as a defensive back. He'll play primarily on special teams tonight. The only way he'd get into the game is a DP, I think, if there's an injury. Uh, but he's from uh, Monterey, Mexico, and he told us yesterday that the whole city's going to be watching him. His family can't <laughs> wait to see him play tonight. So it's really a cool story. Now, chances are he won't be a significant uh, factor in the outcome of the game. 
But the very fact that, and he was uh, saying it yesterday, I'm the first Mexican to ever play in a CFL game. He's really, really excited. Hmm. And wouldn't it be cool if he had a, a big game, right? If something happened and he had an incredible play. I mean, listen, like you said, likely not the case. But, boy, would that would that be fantastic. Um, listen, are we going to be talking about missed field goals tomorrow, Bob? Well, I guess we should hope not, eh, Hal? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of the fond hope of Mike O'Shea in particular. Ali Mortada will be the place kicker for the second game. He was 0 for 3 in the last one. The Bombers uh, have only made one of their last seven field goals, and yet they're getting away with it. And, of course, a lot of people are saying, you know, this can't go on because it's going to be a close game where making or missing a field goal will decide the outcome. And that may or may not happen, but it often does in the CFL. So, yeah, I think uh, Mike O'Shea's faith in Ali Mortada will really be tested tonight uh, because he's got to be a little bit nervous, you know, after going 0 for 3 and, he would understand, surely, Mortada, that uh, he can't have another game like that. So mm-hmm. there'll be some pressure on him tonight. We'll see yeah. how he how he performs. And O'Shea's confident he will get lined up properly and make his kick. So uh, I know Bomber fans will have their fingers crossed when he trots yeah. out onto the field tonight. <laughs> I I hope so, boy. It'd be nice to wake up tomorrow, not talk about missed field goals and and you know our seven and one Bombers. Wouldn't that be great if we could wake up tomorrow and and do that. The Olympic Builders pregame show at 6.30 tonight. Bob, teed up for us. Well, we're going to have uh, all sorts of folks uh, join us. Uh, Julio Caravada, who does the color commentary on the Vancouver radio broadcast, will join us to bring us up to speed on what's going on with the, the BC Lions and where why they're such an improved team this year. We will hear from Sergio. Hold on, i got to check my pronouncer. Esquiafino Perez, uh, you'll hear his comments on playing tonight. Uh, Willie Jefferson's going to talk about the game. Michael Riley, the quarterback of the BC Lions, always a very interesting guy to talk to. And Lucky Whitehead, the former bomber, Hal, who's had a spectacular season so far for the BC Lions. He'll talk about his time in Winnipeg, uh, why he wound up coming out to Vancouver and all the rest of it. So that's just a sampling. Ed Tate, of course, Ted Wyman. Uh, Doug Brown joins me. Have I missed anybody? Probably. But, you know, <laughs> tune in. Tune in and you won't miss a thing, yeah. Hal. Right. Well, hey, and Jets hockey, of course, uh, continues here on CGOB this weekend. And I've got to say, I I think I'm right on this, right? Tom Brady is back in New England this weekend. Yeah, that's the big focus of the NFL weekend is uh, Brady's first return to New England against the Patriots. And there's been some sniping I guess from both sides, from Bill Belichick, the coach of the Patriots, and from not from Brady himself, but from people around him about why he had to leave New England and all the rest of it. So that's going to be the game that captures a huge, huge ratings on US TV on Sunday. All right, Bob. Have a good game tonight. I'll be listening. Okay, thanks, Hal. Good talking to you. Yep, Bob Irving, voice of the Bombers, 6.30 tonight. Uh, the pregame show here on CJOB is the Bombers are in B.C., to take on the Lions. Joining me on the phone now, Glenn Recknell and his wife, Dawn. Glenn, Dawn, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Glenn, tell your story, and, and I'm going to remind people how they can get their tickets in the uh, HSC Millionaire Lottery. I, I at one point, uh, help to promote that lottery. Any chance I get, I like to try and do that because I see it as a great way to give to a good cause, a wonderful cause, and maybe get back. Uh, tell us about HSC, what that hospital has meant to you. It it saved your life, right? 
Yeah, it did. I was uh, I had a, a, a sea dew accident on the water. <clears throat> I hit a handbar, sandbar and uh, went over the top of the machine and, and broke my neck. So uh, I had to get airlifted into Winnipeg from from Mocha River, Dolphin Lake into uh, HSC. And uh, my stars, my stars, and they, uh, and anyways, uh, HSC went to work on me, and uh, I was I was 13 days, and before I had my operation, though I, they tried to operate on me, but they, I was swelled up so bad that they, uh, in the neck, that they couldn't uh, uh, get into it, and so they had to board it. But they operated 13 days later, and uh, and uh, put some rods in my neck, and. Uh, Got me going again, and uh, uh, actually, I, they almost lost me on the table, and they brought me back. So uh, then I spent hmm. uh, I spent uh, six uh, six months there with HSC in the in uh, recovery in rehab department, and and they worked on me for six months. And I give my hats to hat off to uh, Kevin and Rudy and Kevin because they just. They worked on me hard, and they got me going, and I got... I was never supposed to walk or do anything again. I was supposed to just lay there. I was paralyzed from the, from the chest down, and uh, they got they, they worked on me and got me going, and they mm-hmm. got me up so that, that I was walking. It was unbelievable what, what, I, what, what they did for me. Now, wow. can I come in for a second? You bet, Don. Go for it. Okay. Uh, when he had zero and told he'd have zero just from the right shoulder down... He um, told me one day to look at his finger, and I said, okay, and he held it up, and he says, now stare real hard, and I said, I am. Okay, right now, and it just, uh, not even a, it just moved, and if you weren't staring at it, you wouldn't know, and that's when he put in his head, I'm going to walk, and he never told me for three years that that's what happened. (laughs) Hmm, wow. It's an incredible story, Glenn, and, and, you know, and I'll just say this about, and I mean, listen, if not for stars, you, you wouldn't have made it to HSC probably, right? You tell me, and then, so, I mean, stars saved your life, and then HSC saved your life. That's right. I, it was a combination. They, they worked together, I'll tell you, and, and uh, there are heroes, both of you. There are heroes, yep. I, uh, I really hats off to them, guys, and, uh. And uh, like I said, H- HSC, they, uh, they they worked with me and worked on me. They they saw something and they just kept working and and they got me walking again. I, it's, it was it's unbelievable what they did for me. Mm-hmm. And my hats are off to those guys. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna write about this conversation in my Winnipeg Sun column tomorrow. Hal's headlines on page two of the Winnipeg Sun, and and what I intend to say in my column is that. You never know when you may need HSC, right? And right. and hopefully, hopefully you never need HSC. But if you do, um, it's there. And this lottery, and again, I'll give details in a bit on how people can get their tickets. This lottery is a way to ensure that that facility stays where it is now, the best in the world, with the best people and and the best equipment, right? You you had no idea, Glenn. You were see doing. You had no idea that you would you know, have an accident and, and uh, be saved by stars and HSC, but yet you did need that hospital, didn't you? That, that's right. You know how I got to say that uh, now they have that uh, the heliport, 
on the top of that hospital. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the stars can land in there. I mean, that, that's a double whammy again. Mm-hmm. For sure. And Don, uh, finally to you here, um, God love you. Uh, for you know being at Glenn's side through this uh you know I I talked to my mom last night and she's been through so much too um mm-hmm. I, but I guess this is you know this is what life deals you and, and you deal with it but uh, again you know if not for HSC you may not even have Glenn with you right now oh I know I, we know if it wasn't for stars number one and for HSC there isn't a chance that he would have uh, come through because they didn't operate for three days because he couldn't, they knew he wouldn't make it through surgery. So that tells you how bad it was. And I didn't know that till after. I thought, God, is there more people in here that need, are in worse condition than him that he's not getting operated on? But uh, anyway, and then it was aborted, like he said. And uh, <clears throat> Glenn just, uh, we just praise the, the staff was awesome. When we go to Winnipeg, we still run up to the second floor, was it, Glenn? Yeah. Yeah, and see if we can find any of them, and we usually do, and get a hug, and that's, you know, it's like family. Yeah. And My mother-in-law yeah. spent time at HSC, too, and she was in pretty rough shape at one point, and, and you're right, they're lifesavers, they're heroes, and yeah. uh, we owe them so much. And, and yeah. uh, Glenn and, and Don, thank you for telling your story. Telling your story like this, guys. Uh, really matters and, and encourages other people to give. Right. And I know that ever since that accident in 2015, Glenn and, and Don, you guys have been donors. You have given as well. Well, we'd like to know how to get a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to let you guys go. Glenn well, and Don, you bet. Stars brought me through, but so did my wife. She was with me all the way through it. And, yeah. Uh, I had off to her. So I'll, I'll let you go with that. And I'm glad you said that, Glenn. Absolutely. Glenn and Don Recknell, thank you very much. All the best, guys. And here's how you can get your ticket in the HSC Millionaire Lottery. I was privileged to be uh, one of the spokespeople for this lottery for a while. And uh, it, it really is, I mean, there are six millionaire lifestyles to pick from, including $1.2 million cash. Now, I'd take the cash. Uh, but listen, you've got Six choices, including the cash. The 50-50, by the way, is already approaching $1 million. So it is getting to be a significant amount of money as well. So get your tickets. Hopefully you'll get more than one. And the more you buy, the less it will cost you. And then the 50-50s. Um, but uh, 50-50 tickets. There's other stuff, too. Here's how you get your tickets. Go to hscmillionaire.com. HSC millionaire.com or you can call 204-253-5688 204-253-5688 this is a great way um to ensure as i said that hsc is there if you ever need it hopefully you don't hopefully a family member or a friend doesn't need it but if they do if you do this will, this lottery helps to ensure that HSC is there when it's needed and it has the best people and the best equipment. Please get your tickets. HSCMillionaire.com. HSCMillionaire.com. 204-253-5688. Again, the number 204-253-5688. And good luck.
right now. Joining us on the phone, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, drcyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com. He's made the move with me here from Friday afternoons <laughs> to Friday morning. Hi, Cyrus. Hey, Hal. Boy, this is early. I'm not used to this. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, 11.30 for you. You should be up with me in the morning. I've had to change my entire life around, but so far it's been great, and I'm, I'm glad you've made the move with me, and, and I'm sorry it's early, uh, but thanks for doing this because, uh, as you know, I, I really enjoy our, our conversations. All right, we've got a few headlines here, and, and I want to throw them out there and get your, uh, your comments on them, and, and you've dug into the story a bit here. Uh, first headline, when is it good to be an optimist? Do you mean there are times when it's not a good idea or there are times when it's better to be an optimist? Yeah, you know, they, they were looking at this very specifically, and generally optimism can be thought of as a good thing, and, and most people, I think, would feel that if you were to go on the street and ask people, is optimism good? People would say, yeah, yeah, it's a right. good thing. Uh, but it, unfortunately, it does depend. And uh, if people are optimistic in a very broad way like hey you know like i expect good things in my life i think things are going to turn out then you are going to do well that's the kind of optimism that kind of predicts good outcomes for people however mm-hmm. if you are more specific it can lead to problems so if you're like i am never going to argue with my spouse then that kind of optimism being very specific can lead to problems because number one you can be proved wrong which can be very discouraging mm-hmm. and uh, and then when you have that discouragement, it can disrupt it, it can lead to a lack of hope, and all of a sudden all you get all these negative outcomes. It could also, second, not only uh, the first, but it, the second thing is it can actually lead you to stop trying. It can actually lead hmm. to lower motivation. Like, I think I'm going to have great health. I believe that, so I'm not going to do all these health-related behaviors. I'm not going to go and exercise and eat well and do all these things because I'm going to be okay. So if you're more specific, it can actually lead to less motivation and it can lead to disappointment because of you know, problems with your expectations. So generally, you want to be more general with your optimism or be very realistic. That's the other thing. If you're going to be more specific, it may be okay, but you've got to be on target. You've got to be accurately optimistic if you're going to be really specific about it. So yeah, it, right. can, it can bite back if you do it the wrong way. Yeah. Like, for example, maybe not say, I am for sure 100% going to eat healthy and I'm going to lose a bunch of weight if that's what I want. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, I'm going to really try, like maybe set the bar a little lower. Is that kind of what you're getting at? If you're being specific, if you're being specific, yeah, you might say something like, you know, I'm going to have some problems. There's going to be some setbacks, but I'm going to keep working at this. I'm going to right. I'm going to work at my health, and and my health is going to improve. Uh, or to say, you know, I expect or to be more general and to say, you know, I really think that I am. I'm going to my health is going to be good in the end. I think that. I think I've got a generally healthy body, but but don't be too concrete about it and be like, I'm never going to get sick. I'm I'm going to be healthy no matter what I do. So, you know, yeah, you want to be kind of general or you Mm. want to be very realistic and be careful so that you don't lead yourself down kind of an unrealistic kind of delusional place. Mm -hmm. Is there something, and I mean, you're a psychologist, you deal with clients all the time on this. Is there something, and I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago with Chantel Kraviasek, and we were talking, and I mentioned to her, I said, listen, I I have a pity party of one every once in a while, right? Where I just kind of, I'm having a bad day, or something's not going my way, or I feel a little sorry for myself. I have a party, I don't invite anybody, because I don't want to bring anybody else down. I have the party, and then I I tend to kind of feel better after I do that, and, and move on. Is there something to that? I think it is okay to have, you know, to, to experience sad feelings, to experience disappointment. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, obviously none of us like that, but our bodies are made no. to have all of these kinds of different feelings. 
And, and I think if you're going to have a pity party, if you're going to experience down, it's good to experience it rather than deny it, rather than escape it. I think it's good to experience it. I mean, there's different ways to cope with it. Sure. Uh, and you can do that in less and more healthy ways. Uh, but, you know, if you're, if you're going to experience it, yeah, life is filled with emotions. And to say that it's not okay to have a bad feeling uh, is, is unhealthy in itself. I liken it to, you know, you always kind of feel better about your problems after you talk to somebody about it. It's sort of like getting it out there. You know, I'm going to, yeah, I'm sort of disappointed about this. I'm going to stew in it for a little while, and then I'm going to get up, dust myself off, and and, and move on. Anyhow, it's sort of related to what we were talking about, uh, you know, being an optimist. Next headline here for Mm -hmm. Dr. Cyrus, why nostalgia is on the rise. I love nostalgia. I love old stuff. I like reminiscing. I like remembering things, toys, uh, you know, food from uh, years ago. I love it all. So, but but it is on the rise, isn't it? What they found is that when people are experiencing sadness or loneliness, they're more likely to engage in nostalgia. So yes. We've been through a pandemic and people have been feeling lonely and isolated. People have been feeling more sad. It's affected people's moods. And so people are getting more attracted to nostalgia. So apparently, I haven't looked at this, so you'll have to just Mm -hmm. trust whoever I saw this from. But like, apparently... Uh, they, you know, some of the prices for some old, you know, um, tech is kind of going up, like Atari right. and things like this. Like yep. people are going back to some of this stuff, and it's actually creating a bit of a demand for mm-hmm. it. Uh, so if you've got a bunch of that equipment, maybe it's time to go and take a look and see what the market has for you. But yes, there's, there's people are engaging in nostalgia, and, and people have actually used nostalgia as a as an uh, intervention for people who are depressed, and it seems to kind of have a good effect. It, it it is something that actually helps us to cope. It makes us feel better. It takes us back to a time. Normally, when people think about the past, they kind of erase all the bad things and they just think about the good things. If you're, if you're, if you're doing that with some kind of positive trigger, you know, like playing a video game from your childhood, those were probably good times. So if you have a positive trigger, you're probably thinking about those good times. It's a way to escape. Um, they found it's not necessarily the best. It's good. Nothing wrong with it necessarily. Mm-hmm. But there's other better ways. Like maybe they found they compared it with gratitude. They compared it with thinking about your future and trying to dream about the future, and they found those were a little bit better. Uh, One of the downsides about nostalgia is that, like anything, if you do too much, you can find that you're not thinking about the future anymore and you can lose hope. You just want to go to the past and it can lead. But, you know, like Mm. that's like so many things. Even if you just live in the future all the time, you might all of a sudden uh, kind of lose touch with reality now. So like any coping thing, you want to do it in moderation. But, yeah, it can help. Yeah. Com- one that comes to mind is comfort food, right? During the pandemic, everybody was going back to, you know, mac and cheese and all this. And as you said, too much, not a good thing, a little bit, okay. Uh, yeah. But anyhow, comfort food was something that came to mind as you were talking there. One other headline here, and then we'll let Dr. Cyrus get on with his uh, with his weekend because the weekend is very, very close. Uh, headline, of 15,000 reasons to stay in relationships, only two matter. Okay, news we can use. So of all the reasons to stay in a relationship, really, Doc, only two matter? Well, one is basically feeling like you're in love. And if you're not feeling as in love, if you're not feeling as connected, uh, these are that might seem obvious, but this, this next one's kind of interesting to me. If you're not feeling as in love with your partner, what can be really dangerous is the second one, and that is the availability of somebody else. Mm. Uh, one of the things that really predicts people actually pulling the trigger and leaving a relationship is the perception that they can find somebody better. 
Mm. And so that's not necessarily like there's a lot of people in relationships where they can obviously find somebody better, but yeah, they don't believe it, so they stay. And there's times when people can't find somebody better, but they believe they can, and so they leave. So it's really about your perception. So it's about whether people believe, you know, in their self-worth and they believe they can find somebody better. And that is obviously bolstered. It's obviously kind of brought into reality if there is somebody. If you find somebody out there and they're kind of flirting with you and you see and you're attracted to them and you're already having difficulty in your relationship, then that could become mm. a big problem. So even if you if you have somebody and they're like, oh, I, you know, I'm attracted, I'm tempted by this person. If you're in a strong relationship, it's not going to have as much of an effect. But if your connection is down and then all of a sudden you have somebody else who's available, then the risk will, uh, the risk of you leaving your partner, cheating or, 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 or separating and divorcing, those are things that will go way up. So if you're in trouble, if you're not feeling as connected to your partner and you want to work on your relationship, it's important to be especially careful about your connections with other people and to just be really careful about developing relationships with, uh, with people you might find attractive. Hmm. Dangerous combination, or it can be. Mm-hmm. Hey, Cyrus, thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. For sure. You too, Hal. Thanks a lot. All right, Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, drcyrus.com, D-R-S-Y-R-A-S.com.